Welcome to Velvet Hell's Stupid Podcast. Maybe that's what I should have called it. Velvet Hell's Stupid Podcast. Maybe more people would be interested. Because people like stupid podcasts, right? So, uh, it's week three of our educational film series. To help you learn and make you a smarter, better person. Or this might make you dumber. Jury's still out on it. Uh, first up, we've got Gags and Gals. And the description says, A musical film review in three chapters. Mail order, at your service, and playmates. Sounds sexy. Oh yeah. First up, we've got Mail Order. And that's mail as in M-A-L-E. Which kind of go either way, you know. Is it the mail ordering, or are you ordering mails? But since this is a sexist 50s song and dance number film, it's a mail ordering women. Because it's kind of, you know, it's like mail order brides. Um, I'm not sure if they're real women or robots, because the guy, like, ordered five of them, but none of them have, like, breathing holes in their cardboard boxes. And they're all... They seem like they're all scrunched up in there, so can't be very comfortable if they were real women. So I don't know if he's going to try out all five and see which one he likes the best and send the rest of them home, as the song indicates, or he might decide to keep all five. So they start dancing before they're even fully out of the box, and he decides, well, I got to take the box completely off so I can see what they look like. Because, you know, like, okay, they all got pretty faces, but... What are their bodies like? That's very important if you're the type that's going to order women through the catalog. You know, that's why, you know, you don't order women online or through the catalog. You go to the store and buy them so you can really inspect them. Yeah. Because, <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> if we're already in, like, the realm of buying women... So he takes the boxes completely off. And, you know, the company that sells those women's were nice enough to clove them beforehand. Because I know if you order, like, a real doll, I think they come naked and you have to go through the trouble of putting the clothes on yourself. But these women, they're already clothed. Even though, you know, they, you know, can move themselves. So they can put the clothes on themselves. It's not like a real doll where you have to do all the work. So they could have given us a cheap thrill and sent the women naked. But no, they put clothes on. And so now he's dancing with all of them to decide which one dances the best, I guess. So he dances with all of them and decides he likes the blonde le the best. So all the other girls, they go back in their boxes and they walk away sad. Because they all wanted to be with him. Personally, I would have assumed he'd um, check and see, check them by fucking them and seeing which one fucked the best or gave the best blowjobs. Because if you're at the point of just being so sexist of buying women, it's all about how they fuck and how they blow you. Right? Because why else? Wouldn't you want, like, a relationship with, like, a, a real woman? Unless, you know, 
no real woman wants you. But this guy's pretty good looking. Maybe just his sexist attitude is what turning off real women from him. But, you know, I mean, this is like the 40s or 50s. So, dancing is code for fucking. So, he fucked all of them, liked the blonde the best. And now is sending the used goods back. So, what do they do with the women that he rejected? Like, do they get refurbished, sent to someone else? Like, then someone else gets sloppy seconds? Or, when you order, do you get, like, a new woman... And then if whichever one you reject goes back to the factory and gets destroyed. I don't know. So many questions that this film did not answer. Okay, the second part of this film is called At Your Service. So this time they're selling maids and kind of suggesting that these maids you can also fuck. Because... I mean, I guess that's the way to really get the guys to order. Except they're not really maids. They're, I mean, unless this used to be a term for maids, but it's like those drive-in uh, restaurants that the women come out and bring the food to you in your car. I don't know if they if the term for that was maids, but that's what it is here. So it seems really you're just ordering the food and... They're just bragging about the hot women that are going to bring the food to you. But in the song, one of them says that, you know, if you order steak, they're not going to bring you cake. And I am thankful that they are not going to fuck up my order that bad. <laughs> like, if I ordered steak and I got cake, or vice versa, if I ordered cake and they gave me steak that was frosted, I mean, I would give that a try and... Has anyone tried frosted steak? That is a good question. Let me know if you've tried frosted steak. Because that could be something. But anyways, this place is not going to fuck up your order royally. You order steak, you get steak. From a hot chick. They also tell me that they're not going to pour coffee down my back. Or uh, pour soup down my back. Or have coffee that tastes like shellac. Which is making me wonder about the other, like, drive-in restaurants. <laughs> like, is this a problem? Like, you know, those other places, they pour soup down your back, but not us. Soup goes in your mouth, not down your back. Like, wow, like, I wouldn't have even thought that that was going to be a worry of that if I ordered soup, you're going to pour it down my back. Like, at first I thought, like, you know, we won't spill it in your lap. No, pour it down your back. Like, how bad do you have to be at your job or just absolutely hate the customer because he's so sexist and is trying to fuck you and order you as a mail order maid that you would pour the soup down his back? Wow. And the coffee doesn't taste like shellac, which I'll take their word for it because... I don't know what the fuck shellac tastes like. And I will never know what shellac tastes like. That is going to be something that I am going to try to avoid when I die and they put me in the ground. It's going to be on my tombstone. Velvet Owl never tasted shellac. And then the women jump up on the hood of the cars. The hoods of the cars. 
and start dancing like in a precursor to Coyote Ugly. Instead of dancing on the bar, they're dancing on the cars. And the guys, not so coyly or subtly, are looking up their shirt, short skirts. These are very short skirts. And in their dance, you even, like, catch Flash of Panty. And this, this I guess this was made before Hollywood put, like, that strict, like, moral code on everything. This might be, like, maybe the earliest non-stag film shot of panties on film. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll say it is. But, yeah, apparently... I guess that's what you're really going for, is, you know, not the food, but to look up girls' skirts as they dance. And again, in the song, it then, like, implies that they'll go on a date with you afterwards. So, you know, they'll feed you and then they'll fuck you. That's basically what they're selling. Um, yeah, I don't think a restaurant like that could kind of, uh, exist today. Well, I mean, actually, isn't that the principle of Hooters? They feed you and make you think that you can fuck them, but if you actually try to fuck them because you're a sexist pig, then you're getting fucked up, not fucked. The way it should be. You know, just because they're doing the favor of letting you ogle them, and really it's not just a favor because you should pay, you should pay women if you're ogling them. It's the least you can do. But don't touch. Look, but don't touch. That's my motto. That's the motto for my restaurant where the women in short skirts are going to jump on your car and dance. So the third part of this film is called Playmates. Okay, so at first this one seems kind of innocent. It seems about, like, you know, just wanting to have friends to play with. And as usual, like, the actors are, like, 30 or 40, but trying to be teenagers. I'm going to guess they're going to be teenagers. They actually are kind of, like, acting like they're six, which just makes this then disturbing because I don't know how I'm supposed to take this because then they just start showing their bloomers all over the place. Not straight up panties, because I guess that would be pushing it too far. You know, having the flash in maid service, or at your service, whatever. Whatever the last one was. that That's about as far as they could go. But if they're going to show their underpants this time, it has to be bloomers. So that people don't get too excited. Especially since they're acting like they're six. So I don't know. But, you know, they're... Jumping rope while wearing high heels. So, I don't know. Maybe it's like... It's the baby doll movement of the early 90s. Just in the 40s. They're dressing like little girls. And being super hyper-sexualized about it. And... Somehow, I think they're not going for the same feminist statement... That the baby doll... Look was trying to do... In the early 90s. I think this is just some guy who's like... And I will completely believe this. Some, like, 50-year-old pedophile was like, can we make a film where little girls are running around and showing their bloomers? And someone was like, eh, not really? Uh, 
well, what if we hire 30-year-olds to pretend to be six-year-olds? Well, I guess that kind of barely is legal and not barely legal in the good way. I mean, I'll give it to them that it is a pretty fucking catchy song about climbing cherry trees and looking down rain barrels, which I guess is what the kids were calling it. Um, It just feels skeezy. Like, I mean, I guess, like, I wouldn't... I don't know. if Maybe it's the song that really leads it to feel like they're, like, six-year-olds. And it just feels really disturbing. And maybe this wasn't meant to be kind of, like, infantilized. Yeah, you know what the word is. <laughs> um, it, Maybe they weren't meant to, like, make it seem like, you know, they're, like, little children. But that's how it came off. It was very, very skeezy and disturbing. So, points off for part three. And parts one and two, points off for the rampant sexism in it. Um, I mean, it's kind of, it's amusing to watch because this is just the way it was back then. But it is also, like, just very skeezy and disturbing to watch. I just, oh, part three, like... If you didn't make them act like such children, I think that'd be cool. Like, because it really, like, interestingly, just seemed to really push it with, like, just over and over, like, their dresses going up as they, like, you know, went down slides and did the seesaw and all that and skipping and just... It seemed like they really just wanted to push the boundaries of how many bloomers they can show. Because maybe that was the workaround. As long as they were bloomers and not panties, you could show them. But they were acting like six-year-olds, so it was just so super, like, I need to take a shower before I watch the next one. Up next is the grapevine. Description on this one is, while trying to address the problems of gossip in the workplace... This film does an excellent job of offending everyone involved, and I'm all about films that offend everyone, especially when it's unintentional, because those are fucking hilarious. Um, so let's learn about gossip. Heard through the grapevine. Bum, bum, bum. Do I have to pay for that now? Luckily, I probably won't get hit by a copyright, because they'll say, eh, it doesn't sound anything like the actual song. So the girls are gossiping because Nell, you know, fucking Nell, she heard, she overheard some stuff. So she thinks that means that Mr. Stone is going to sell the company. Oh, no. And everyone's talking about it. Whispers among the grapevine. How did that saying even start? Like, do things just go down the grapevine? And I don't know. I don't feel like thinking about that. But, you know, Alice, Alice at least has the balls to ask Mr. Stone outright, are you selling the company? And Mr. Stone is like, fuck no. And he's pissed because of all the gossip of people, like, just talking about things that aren't their business. That's what he said. Like, they're none of your business. And he's just upset. And, you know, he wants Alice to not repeat these stories. Um... 
Although he probably would want her to at least gossip about the fact that they're not selling. Put everyone's mind at ease. Like, I heard it straight from the boss. Now you all can hear it through the grapevine. The boss is not selling. But what can Mr. Stone do to stop this gossip? That is probably what we will learn. Now, a couple weeks later, Alice is back in the office to get something from Mr. Stone to hand to someone else. And there's a guy in there who's selling a computer, which remember, this is like the 50s, so the computer probably takes up like half the room. And he says that they're going to send over their best operators. And unfortunately, Alice leaves the room before she hears Mr. Stone say that the operators are going to train the girls in the office to use this computer. So, uh-oh, you know, Alice, she's going to think that the operators are coming to replace the girls at the office. Oh, silly women. I bet she's going to gossip about it because she's a woman. So, you know, word goes through everyone and all of a sudden everyone's just assuming that Helen and other girl whose name I didn't get are getting fired because uh, apparently they're the ones that are going to be trained on the computer, but they don't know that they're being trained. They just think they're being like phased out. So they just go out and they get new jobs that afternoon, which, wow, the fifties was just a great time that you want a job? Just go out. And there it is <laughs> right there. So many jobs. You're just tripping over them. And they're probably, like, good jobs that you can support your family on. Man, it's a magical, mythical time. Why can't we go back to that? But, so, the next day they get called into Mr. Stone's office. And he's about to give them the news. Which, remember, the news is going to be that they're going to start working on a computer. But they don't even give him the time because they think the news is going to that they're getting fired, so they're like, well, you don't need to tell us, because we've already found new jobs. And Mr. Stone's like, what? But Mr. Stone explains to them, no, 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 you're not getting fired. There's just a new fucking machine, and you're going to get trained on it. Which, I mean, now I guess Betty or Jane or whatever her name was. Yeah, that bitch. She's going to have to call the new job, be like, Sorry, mistake. And the job's going to probably be like, that's okay. We'll just find someone else. Ah, it's the 50s. Everything's great. But Mr. Stone's very upset because, you know, just these rumors are going all around and he doesn't know how to stop, how to stop them. And then we get the title card. How can you keep rumors from getting started? And then that's the end of the fucking film. No, you're supposed to tell me how I can stop them. If I knew how to stop the rumors, it wouldn't be a problem in the first place. What the fuck is up with these educational films that end before they educate you? Here's the problem. It's up to you to solve it. Good luck. Up oh, now it's the hare and the tortoise. Which feels kind of weird for the hare to get top billing. Usually it's the tortoise and the hare. 
Um, but I think this one uses real animals. So that looks like fun. Like, there's even an owl, a fox, a goose, a rooster, and even a raccoon. So that, that sounds like it's going to be fun. And we're going to learn that the hare is much faster than the tortoise. You know, like, the moral of the story is slow and steady wins the race. But I never took that away from the story. My takeaway is don't be an a cocky asshole. Because that's the reason the hare lost the race. It wasn't because, you know, he was oh so tired. You know, because he ran out of gas. He's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm almost there, but fuck it. I'm so far ahead. I can just whatever. <laughs> like, had he just gone like the extra three steps or whatever that he needed to, and he could have, and then taken the nap, and then just flip off the tortoise when he came. But he's like, ah, I got it in the bag. So that's the real lesson. Is don't be a cocky asshole. Oh, the animals are cute and adorable and pretty good actors. So the rabbit's just bragging about he runs everywhere so super fast. He outrun the fox and he outran the dog. And no one can challenge him. And all the other animals that are gathered are like, yeah, no, we're not going to do it. Not the skunk. Not the rooster. Not the fox who already got beat. Really? So, you know, why is the fox going to try again? He doesn't want to lose twice. He knows he's been defeated. But then the tortoise is like, you know, I'm sick of your shit, so I'm going to race you. And he goes up and he headbutts the rabbit, and the rabbit tries to eat his head. I don't think that was in the script. I think that's just someone pushed a turtle towards a rabbit, and the rabbit was like, what the fuck is this shit? Let me taste it. So the rabbit goes up to the owl and says, you know, I can easily win this race, right? And the owl's just like, I don't know, maybe. And the rabbit's like, maybe, you know, I could just spend the day eating and wait until the tortoise is already near the finish line, then run and take a nap and still win. Which again, that's the rabbit's problem, is that he's a fucking cocky asshole. Not that he's trying to be too fast fucking cocky asshole he's already decided he's gonna take a nap in the middle of the race and the turtle goes up to the owl and he's like i could win because i show but i'm steady and you know this film is actually kind of entertaining to watch because all the animals just have this kind of like what the fuck's going on look because <laughs> you know it just was like someone pushed the rabbit towards the owl and they're like what What's going on here? And then someone pushed the turtle towards the owl and like, owl probably never saw a turtle before in his life and was like, what the fuck is this? And then they pushed the fox towards the owl and I'm surprised the fox didn't try to eat the owl. But the fox, his job is to come up with the race, which, why are you letting the fox come up with the course? Remember, the rabbit has beaten the fox. So of course the fox is going to you know, be pissed off and want the rabbit to lose. So he's probably going to design a course that favors the tortoise. You know, couldn't they let the skunk, you know, design the race? Because the skunk probably would have been like, yeah, you run from here to there. I don't care. 
So the fox comes up with the course, really super hard, running over like logs and through creeks and all that stuff. And he's very, pretty proud of himself. Meanwhile, you know, the hare and the tortoise, they're getting ready for the race. And they're preparing by eating. Which I guess, you know, it's important to get a good breakfast, eat some Wheaties, because you can't win a race on an empty stomach. You know, ask Usain Bolt. You won the race. Did you do it on an empty stomach? And he probably would say, no, I ate food. Whatever food it is racers eat. I don't know. I don't know much about racers. I, I've i never met one in real life. Do they exist? Are they fictional? I don't know. Usain Bolt, for all I know, might be two squirrels in a skin suit. Kind of creepy to think about it. But, yeah. Now I'm going to fixate on that for a while. But the race has started. And, you know, the hare is off running and the tortoise is just blah, 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 blah. So they're running. Well, the hare's running. The tortoise is walking. And the fox is set, like, midway to make sure, you know, they're staying on the course and not, you know, trying to cheat. And I gotta say, the fox shows great restraint in not trying to run and eat the rabbit or the turtle. Because, you know, I mean, foxes want to eat rabbits. Um, I don't know if a fox would want to eat a turtle. But I don't know how often foxes see turtles. And, you know, the fox might see, oh, this is a moving thing that's moving very super slowly. I think I could catch it. So I would think the fox would try to jump and, like, try to eat the turtle. Just saying. But the rabbit, he's so far ahead, he's like, ha ha, fuck this, I'm going to sleep. And we all know what happens next. Hare is asleep. Tortoise wins. By the time Hare wakes up, it's oh so close. So you know what? He really wasn't like fucking lying about like he could win if the tortoise was near the finish line. Because seriously, like just the tortoise got half his body over and um, the hare jumped all the way over. So if the rules were that your entire body had to cross the finish line, then the hare would have still won. So, but, you know, we learned the lesson. The owl tells us slow and steady wins the race. But really, it's don't be a cocky asshole. That is the lesson to learn from the hare and the tortoise. Up next is the house in the middle which is about atomic tests showing the effects on homes and that cleanliness is an essential part to be prepared and to help survive. So we're going to find out what happens to your house when an atomic bomb drops and why your house should be clean, I guess. Cleanliness is godliness, after all. The fuck? It starts off with an atomic test, but it's three shacks. It's not three homes. Three fucking shacks. How is that going to tell me how it affects my house? A shack is not a house. And, you know, actually I want to learn, put someone in one of those shacks and find out if they turn into the Incredible Hulk or not. Just, they're going to teach us how it affects shacks. Not a house, a shack. 
So now we're on to the real tests. They have five, this first test, they have five fences set up. Three in the middle, they're decaying. The one in the supreme middle has garbage all over. And the two on the ends, they're in perfect tip-top shape. And kaboom! It's dropped. Or, well, they didn't actually drop the bomb. They did a simulated whatever the bomb does. Because they can't waste the bombs, you know? So they got to do simulations. But those ones in the middle that are all like slumlord-type fences that are falling apart, whoosh, up in flames. While the two on the ends are relatively safe. So, lesson one. Keep your fence in good shape. And you two can survive the atomic bomb. Which, you might be thinking, well, I don't need to know this. What are the chances of an atomic bomb being dropped on us? Very high, I say. Very high. Now, test two. They have two miniature houses. Which I guess were the shacks I was thinking they were earlier. But no, they're just mini homes. And inside, they're, both houses are the same structurally. But inside, one of them is messy with newspapers littered around and some garbage. Doesn't even look that messy. Just untidy, like not spick and span perfectly clean. So, you know, fuck you for calling that messy. That's like my house. Um, meanwhile, the other house is spick and span and perfect and even has plastic on the furnitures, which I'm going to say, you know what? That's going to fucking melt onto the furniture in the giant blast. So they do the blast, kaboom, and the structure starts falling apart. The roofs fall off both houses, but the messy house also catches fire and burns up quickly. So yeah, you should keep a clean house because it'll kind of survive an atomic blast. Kind of a moot point when you stop and think about it that, yeah, it's also going to be fucking radioactive, so it's not like I'm going to be able to stay in this house. So, you know, while I didn't die in the fire, I am now got radiation poisoning, and I'm just going to die a much slower death. So, if anything, you know... You want to keep your house messy so that if an atomic bomb is dropped on your house, you die instantaneously. And you don't suffer years and years of horrible pain and mutations. Or if you're lucky, either way, you turn into the Incredible Hulk. So now they've got three houses. It's the final test. One of them just complete shit show with garbage all over the front. The house is pretty much just already falling apart. The second house, from a distance, it looks like it's in decent shape, but the wood's kind of rotting because no one's been painting it. And the third house is just immaculate. They've kept up with it, and they've been painting it, and everything looks good. And then once again, kaboom! They drop the bomb. And the shit house just instantly goes up in flames and is done for. The decent house... It looks like, okay, it doesn't look too bad, and oh, and there goes the fire, and that one's gone too. But the one that's been kept up has, like, no structural damage, unlike the one in the second test. Like, So this one was built even stronger than the house in the second test, I guess. Um, but again, a moot point as 
there's going to be fucking radioactive fallout everywhere. So even though that the house is still standing, it's going to get fucking torn down anyhow. So, you know, kind of pointless tests. I mean, I guess that back then they didn't realize that, you know, dropping a fucking radioactive bomb is going to cause everything to become radioactive. They didn't think that far ahead. So maybe they thought, well, you know, if you have a really good house that's been well kept, you will survive an atomic bomb. And it's kind of like, well, the house will survive the atomic bomb. You yourself, however, and eh, not so lucky. You know, I think this film was just kind of fear-mongering. Like, they're just trying to use scare tactics to get you to clean up your house and force your kids to go around the neighborhood and picking up litter. Because um, they tell you, it could be the difference for survival. But your house may survive, but you won't. It doesn't matter what you do. The atomic bomb is dropped. You're fucking, you're done for. You know, ask all those people in Hiroshima, how was your house? Was your house nice and clean beforehand? Just so. But, yeah, clean your house so your house can survive the atomic bomb. And like I said, there's a very high chance. They want you to think that the atomic bomb's not going to be dropped on your house. Oh, but it will be. And the last one for this week, um, only going to do five this week because this one is twice as long as the other ones, so it's going to take the place of two, but it's human reproduction, so I don't have to tell you why I'm doing this one. Oh yeah, I'm going to end with some sexy time from the 50s to learn about sexy time. Oh yeah. So we've got John and Mary Burke, who Mary apparently wears high heel slippers, according to the narrator. Because was that really a thing? Like poor you poor women back then. Like you couldn't even just relax. <laughs> like, oh let me put on some slippers. Nope, they gotta be high heel slippers. Yeah, your feet are gonna be tortured even at home when you're relaxing. Like, man, I, I'm one of the things I'm kind of glad we've, like, moved away from, like, forcing women to wear high heel slippers. Wow. Just, but, John's brother Jim, because it's the 50s, so, you know, John and Jim, just very unordinary <laughs> names. You know, he's at the hospital with his wife because she's having a baby, and they're not sure what they're going to have because this is the 50s, and so... You know, they don't have ultrasounds to see, like, is it going to be a boy or a girl? Who knows? But John Jr. is overhearing this and, like, how can they have a baby if they don't know what kind they want? Oh, John, you've got some splaining to do. So you get the usual questions, like, where do babies come from? Well, mothers bring them into the world. But why do only mothers have babies? Well, by the grace of heaven, mothers are the only ones equipped to be, to have a baby. Which, you know, what John Sr. is really saying there. Whew, we got the long end of the stick here, boy. We don't have to carry babies. And that's A-OK. -okay. 
make the fucking women have to go through the torture of pregnancy and giving birth. While us boys, we just stand by, high five, and give each other cigars. And I'm scared now. Because they're showing us a model to teach us the reproductive systems. And there's a fucking plastic vagina. I've never seen, like, these reproductive things actually show the vagina. It's like, uh, so that we know the labia. But it's there, it's the vagina. It's a shaved vagina, so that, you know, we could see the labia, I guess, or... I don't know, I mean, was that becoming a trend in the 50s of, like, hey, let's start shaving our pubes off? No, because 70s porn is all, like, just jungle bush all over the place. But it might have just been, you know, like, the 60s and 70s, women were like, we're taking it back. We're growing it out. We're growing out that rat's nest. Well, in the 50s, they were all, like, prim and proper and all nicely trimmed. I don't know. Ask your grandma. Ask your... If you really want to know, ask your grandma if she shaved back in the days. I will give you a dollar if you actually do that. Because that would be fucking hilarious. Um, But, yeah, we're seeing the sex organs. But, I don't know, that plastic vagina just kind of threw me off. Just... So, so I imagine we're going to see a plastic penis later. And hopefully not see the plastic penis inserted into the plastic vagina. Please, filmmakers, do not go that far. And then we get the usual, like, clinical speak of all the different, like, organs inside of a woman. Um, although I think this might be the first time I've ever heard them any sort of educational thing referred to the vagina as moist. So, awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember ever hearing, like, the word moist in school. I could be wrong. But I, I would think that if they did, there'd be a lot of, like, cringing, because for some reason people don't like the word moist. I don't know why. I like it. Moist. 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 It's a fun word. I don't know why people are so cringe over it. Um, and it also does tell us that if there is no hymen, that doesn't necessarily mean that the woman's not a virgin, because it could be broken in other ways. So, good for you for being progressive thinking and not being all like, there's no if there's no hymen, she's a whore. So, thank you for being progressive like that. So, we get an animated look at how the female reproductive system looks through the cycle of menstruation you know starts off like the blood droplets going down and then a few days of nothing then the egg leaves the tube or the ovary goes down the tube all over again and this was repeated like five or six times just so that we know or maybe to just illustrate that how this is a constant thing going on and, I don't know, my mind just went, like, burnt out on it. Like, I feel like I didn't really need to see it that many times. Like, I got the point the first time. Blood comes out. Egg shoots out. Repeat. Rinse. Lather. Repeat again. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. 
I feel like these educational films are making me dumber. So maybe I should stop, but I need to learn learn about menstruation. Because this is only like the fifth film I've watched in the series that mentions menstruation. But the narrator tells John Sr. that it's important that he fully understands this so that when John Jr. asks him about it, he can explain. Then John Jr. asks, Why do babies have fathers? And John Sr. is trying to figure out, like, um, well, how do I explain this? And the narrator saying, like, yeah, one day you're going to have to explain why babies have fathers. Which, between me and you, spoiler alert, because the father fucks the mother, shoots his sperm, and impregnates her. That's how it works. But this time, so we're going to look at the male reproductive system. But... Instead of a model, like a plastic model, we just got a drawing, which is weird. Like, I guess no one wanted to, like, make a plastic penis. <laughs> they couldn't get enough people, or, I mean, like, they had to turn away people from making the plastic vagina. Like, everyone, like, at the factory just volunteered for that job. Like, yeah, I want to make a plastic vagina. Like, okay, we've got enough people on the plastic vagina duty. Now we need some people from the for the plastic penis. Uh, no. And the other weird thing is, um, so in this drawing, he's got pubes. So we're seeing pubes on the male reproductive system, but not, not on the female reproductive system. And, you know, I mean, they could have trimmed the pubes up nice that you could still see the labia. So I don't know, is it like... Is this subtly trying to reinforce? Women, you gotta fucking shave or wax that shit. Men, yeah, let it grow out. Because you're a man and men don't shave. So, I don't know. And I'm gonna, like, focus a little too much on that discrepancy. Because that is just very weird to me that they would show pubic hair for the boys but not for the girls. That is just... Very, it, I'm just not going to get over that. Like, that is fucking sexist. Just how, like, this year the big thing with the Olympics is that, you know, the girls have to wear the skimpy clothes while the boys get to, you know, wear longer shorts. And I agree. Boys should be forced to wear the skimpy clothes, too. You know, because, come on, we don't really care about sports athletics. We're just looking at hot bodies. So I want to see the hot male bodies as well. You know, Tonga dude goes out there without a shirt, oiled up, and that's all everyone talks about. So make the men uh, volleyball players just play in a, t in a thong. Tonga thongs. Yeah, that's... There's something there. We can market that. Anyways, yeah. Um... So I guess, you know, they want women to know they have to shave. It's unladylike. But boys, they're allowed to have pubic hair. It's the double standard, I guess. So more boring, boring, boring talk of, like, the male system and testes and sperm. And wow, this, this film is not nearly as hot as I was hoping it would be. But... If you don't get rid of sperm, 
by fucking or jacking off, not the terms they use, then you have a wet dream, term they do use, and that's all okay. And then we get an animated look of how the sperm goes from the testes into the penis, but we don't actually see, we only see half the penis, we don't see the tip, we don't see that the penis is inside the vagina, and now they're shooting to the vagina, and again, we don't see that the penis is in the vagina, so this is a failure, I, how am I going to get off to this? I don't have a fetish for medical terminology, blah, 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 the rest of it's boring, I'm skipping the second half. It's all the same stuff that they teach you in school, like sperm meets the egg, blah, 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 grows into a baby, and apparently John's brother had twins, and who cares. So I'll toss one last film on here. Ice Harvest, which is about the commercial uh, thing of ice, a <laughs> collection of ice. Um, yeah. Because it isn't just like the old days, or I mean like the new days where you just kind of um, fill up water <laughs> containers and put them in the freezer. Back then you had to like actually go and get ice. So we're seeing old timey guys in like an ice place using ice picks and all sorts of ice devices to get the ice. And horses to mount the ice on. Um, it kind of reminds me of, like, remember that one episode of The Simpsons where they're on the ice expedition where they find, like, the head of, um, the teddy bear, and they're just wondering, like, isn't there an easier way to get ice? Well, I guess, you know, that's the way they back the old days, these dangerous expeditions with horses. It's a silent film. But there's, like, no title cards, so I'm really not learning anything. Um, one guy pointed to the horse's feet, and the horseshoes are frozen from the ice. And it looks like some people were ice skating, which, come on, we're on here for business to collect ice, not just to skate on the ice. But they've got all these things to saw off the ice. And you can see the water now because they've broken off bits of the ice. So I guess the lake isn't completely frozen, just the top of it, which I think is generally what lakes do. <laughs> or else you can't go ice fishing. But they're collecting up the ice, sort of. They're just kind of pushing it around. Who's collecting the ice? Where are they? I want to see, like, whose job it is to have to pick up the ice because... It looks like some of these guys aren't even wearing gloves. So, and if they are, they're just very, like, skimpy gloves. Because back then, men were men. They're like, fuck this. I don't care if it's fucking freezing. I don't care if I have to get frostbite. I am getting that ice. So they've loaded up the ice in the horse carts, and they're nice enough to give the horses blankets to help keep them warm. That's very nice. Um, Because I'm guessing these horses aren't native to ice temperatures on um, the guys are eating their lunch and i don't know i think one of them was eating ice which don't eat from the supply gym you know don't get high off your own supply you know this ice is for the masses 
to make us money. And you're just eating into our profits by eating ice. You know, I don't know if they have, like, some sort of storage thing for the ice. For when they get the ice to wherever they're getting it to so it doesn't, like, melt. Like, I hope they explain that to us. Well, I mean, if they do, I'm not going to fucking know because it's silent and they don't have title cards. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. I just know the horses are carrying a cart full of ice and now they're taking it to town. And I don't know. I guess this is why you got to collect a lot of ice because it's just going to melt on the way. So you're going to automatically lose supplies. And that's why you shouldn't eat ice. If your job is to collect ice, because you're eating into the profits, you've already got like a giant loss margin from all the ice that melts on the way. Where are they taking this ice? Where where does ice go? Where does ice go back in the old day? And the ice is taken into some sort of barn warehouse thing. Where they have like a sort of conveyor belt thing that they can just slide the ice down. And that's it. That's where the film ends. We don't learn where, or I mean, yeah, we learned where the ice gets stored. But we don't learn how it's stored. How do they keep it cold? Is it just because it's a cold barn? That can't be enough. Where do they put the ice so it stays ice and doesn't melt? And then what are they doing with the ice? Where does it go? Who do they sell the ice to? So many questions, and you've let me down. Again, these educational films don't really seem all that educational. Um, but you know the drill by now. Unless you're a first-time listener. Drill is... Email me at velvetout@hotmail.com with comments, concerns, nude pictures, whatever you want to send me. Scam alerts. If you're a Nigerian prince that needs help, email me. I'll see what I can do. Until next time.